Welcome to the second episode of Escapodacy, the podcast in which we explore our adventures in travel. This week, we're in the Italian region of Le Marche. And if you've never heard of it, that's not surprising. It's not as popular with tourists as Tuscany, Umbria, the Amalfi Coast, or the Italian lakes. I'm Jeff Spink. And I'm Don Spink. I'm a writer and journalist, and I think I inherited my love of travel from my mum, who travelled all over the Middle East during World War II. I'm a writer, singer, podcaster, and creator. I'll put links to my own social feeds in the show notes. Escapodacy is our new podcast in which we give you our take on various places as we explore the world together as a married couple. To find out more, you can visit our website, escapodacy.com, and you can follow us on social media. We're at Escapodacy on Twitter, Insta, and TikTok. We also have a YouTube channel where we post extra video content. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you think about the podcast and share with us your own adventures in travel. You can email adventures at escapodacy.com and escapodacy is spelt E-S-C-A-P-O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y. So Jeff, how did we end up going to La Marque? I'm a keen linguist and in addition to speaking French, I've picked up a smattering of other languages over the years and my current hobby horse is Italian. I did a couple of years studying with the Open University here in the UK and then I reached something of a dead end until my British friend living in Rome told me about the Scuola Dante Alighieri with whom I've been studying for the past two years. It was my tutor there, the lovely Sylvia, who recommended Le Marche precisely because it's less well known. Le Marche is in northeast Italy on the Adriatic coast Of course, maps don't work very well over audio, but we have put one in the photo gallery on our website so that you can get an idea of where it sits in relation to the rest of the country. The region is one of Italy's hidden treasures, beautifully restored and preserved medieval hilltop towns, dramatic coastlines that plunge into the deep blue Adriatic. It's bounded by the Apennine Mountains to the west and the Adriatic Sea to the east. It's an area of rolling hills, olive groves, vineyards, and fields of dazzling sunflowers. The region of Emilia-Romagna and the microstates of San Marino lie to the north, Tuscany in the west, and Umbria to the southwest, with Abruzzo and Lazio to the south. Marche extends over an area of almost 10,000 square kilometers and just under 4,000 square miles, two-thirds of which is hilly. Now, have you got all that? We hope you've been paying attention because there will be a test at the end. We visited in August and apart from a few showers, we had spectacular summer weather. Since we returned in September of this year, 2022, some areas of La Marque experienced severe flooding. In the space of just three hours, they had six months worth of rain. You can imagine what that did to local infrastructure, roads, railway lines, and so on. We based ourselves in the village of Monterado, a few miles inland from the coastal resort of Senigallia. Yes, in fact, we stayed in a castle. 
which dominates the village and which is set in a spectacular hillside park with its own woods. We'll be featuring the Castello di Monterado in our next episode and talking to the man who restored it from the ruin bequeathed to him by his grandfather. Monterado was perfect in that it was a little higher than Senegalia. It caught the breeze even on a really hot day and it gave us a peaceful retreat after mingling with the crowds down in the town. We'd often park the car next to the beautiful Portici Ercolani. These are ancient arcades designed by Giuseppe Maria Ercolani in the mid-18th century and which run along the entire right bank of the Mesa River. It is here we wandered the surrounding streets. Imagine our surprise when we came upon this guy. He's actually playing a collection of bottles, all filled with different amounts of some sort of liquid. We'll put the video of him on our social feeds. Senegalia, with a population of just over 44,000, boasts numerous restaurants, a couple of which are Michelin-starred. There's something to suit all budgets. Fresh fish and seafood are not surprisingly plentiful. Monterado made an excellent base from which to explore some of the stunning medieval hilltop towns like nearby Corinaldo, with its well-preserved 14th century walls. It was the birthplace of Santa Maria Goretti. It is also the site of a Halloween festival held every October. Corinaldo is included in the association I Borghi Più Belli d'Italia, and in 2007 it was voted Italy's prettiest village. The historic center is beautiful. Tiny cobbled lanes, medieval ramparts, a stairway that goes from the main entry point all the way to the main square. A well, the Well of Polenta, halfway up, which according to local legend, well, the legend is that in the 15th century, a farmer brought on his back a big bag of flour to make polenta. While climbing up the hill, he sat down on the edge of the well to rest. Inadvertently, the bag fell into the well, and to overcome the loss, the farmer tried to recover the flour by going down the well himself, but he didn't come back out. Local gossips began to say that he preferred to remain in the well and to eat all the polenta and that he was seen throwing sausages into the well before he went down. This year, the Italian authorities started putting up a few signs around the country encouraging people to kiss. Not that generally anybody needs any encouragement in Italy, but I guess post-Covid it was perhaps a nice way of reminding people that being close is sort of allowed again. Anyway, we came across one of these in Corinaldo, and of course we had to photograph ourselves in the act with the sign in the background. Again, look at our social feeds and the photo gallery on our website. And when we arrived at the car rentals desk at Bologna Airport, we were pleasantly surprised to discover that we had been allocated a Volvo XC90, the largest of their SUVs. And it's a good job because our sat-nav of choice weighs likes to take us off the beaten track. We were on our way to the historic town of Mondavio when this happened. Well, we're on one of these roads again, aren't we? Yes, we are. What's going on here? 
this is taking us on another back road, one lane road. Why is that, do you think? I think she likes us to have adventures. She normally succeeds, right? Yes, she does. Oh, here we go. All torn up. Yep. What's your limit then? When do, when do you decide that's enough? We're not doing this road. When we get to a dead end and it doesn't go anywhere else. Otherwise? Just like the field that we went through the other day. Right. Otherwise, we're just going to keep going. Otherwise, we just keep going. Until we get to our destination. So here the road's gotten a bit less well made. And are we going to... Are we going to bail out on this or are we going to carry on? No, we're going to continue. It's a road, so we're going to keep going. And we've got a 4x4. Four four. And we have 4x4. Four four. So, here we go. Lots of fields on the left. Sunflower fields. Oh, this road. Look here. This is an actual road. It's got like a surface and everything. Right? I mean, this is this is an eight-lane highway. <laughs> and one of our tyres is a bit down as well, just to help matters. Okay, well, onwards and upwards. Remember those four recurring themes in Homer's Odyssey? Yes, wandering, return, testing, and omens. Well, that off-roading experience definitely falls under the category of testing, in my opinion. Mondavio is just a few kilometres from where we were staying. We arrived in late afternoon, just as the town seemed to be clearing up after one hell of a party. We later discovered that every August the 14th and 15th, the castle hosts a historic reenactment of a period banquet with theatre and competitions. The events are meant to recall the reconciliation of the town with Giovanni della Rovere, Lord of Senegalia. The castle was commissioned around 1492 and is in an excellent state of repair since it was never besieged or bombed. It houses a museum about personal and siege weapons, armour and uniforms. A trebuchet, a sort of giant catapult, is on display in the moat. And there's a picture of it on our website. There's a torture reenactment on display in the dungeon. In common with most of the historic structures in the market. The castle of Mondavio is built from the same honey-colored limestone, which appears similar to Cotswold stone. Eating out is one of the great pleasures of a trip to Italy. It's really not that hard to find well-cooked, authentic food. We developed a strategy for dealing with the substantial dinner menus. You start with antipesti, the pre-pasta dish, which is usually protein mozzarella, local cheeses, ham or salami, or some fresh seafood, and we shared that. Then comes the pasta, often homemade, served with a meaty, gamey ragu. Wild boar and rabbit were very much in evidence on the Marchegiano menus. We would share that as well. Then we would choose our own main course, a piece of meat or fish with vegetables, often in a tasty sauce, and go back to sharing if we decided, which we usually did, to have dessert. There are lots of foodie pictures of some of the things that we had on our photo gallery and we'll be putting them on our social media.
our host, Orlando, who you'll meet in the next episode, helpfully provides his guests with a list of recommended eateries. Without this, we'd probably never have come across the charming Lenicia Restoro Rurale. As the name suggests, it's a rural establishment. Little more than a paddock attached to the side of somebody's house with rickety wooden tables covered with tablecloths. Many of them hosting a dozen or more local people who had booked family dinners. So you sit in the open air in the gathering dusk as a young chap rattles off all the things on offer on the evening's menu. You have to pay attention and you usually have to ask them to repeat it at least once. The whole thing put me in mind of an impressionist painting by Manet. Or that lovely movie, Un Dimanche à la Campagne, directed by Bertrand Tavernier. It's a visual treat, so if you've never seen it, we'll link to the painting and the movie in the show notes. All of the pasta is made in-house. It was here that we came across a pasta dish new to us called pastatelli, which looks like spaghetti, but is much softer, and it's made from a combination of breadcrumbs, parmigiano, and ground nuts. It's one of those delightful Italian dishes that is often and usually homemade, so the recipe varies from one family to another. We'll include a link to a recipe. We were so charmed by La Nicchia's earthy, bucolic charm that we begged Orlando to find us somewhere similar. There is nowhere similar, he said. But then he suggested La Grotta di Tuffo, another rural treasure which takes over the entire central piazza in a tucked away village called San Costanza. We arrived just before sunset on our last night in Italy by Waze's usual assortment of made and unmade roads and finally located our destination. We sat in the village square, the church clock marking the time every quarter of an hour. Unlike Nikia, the menu here was avant-garde, experimental, and had influences of far-flung places. We dined on antipasti of tomato and burrata salad with cheesy croutons, and beef carpaccio with raw grated vegetables. We shared delicious gnocchi with pesto, and main courses were char-grilled lamb and skewers, a bit like cactus, made from wild boar and fennel. Of course, we couldn't resist dessert, whose presentation was definitely worthy of a Michelin star. Mine was a meringue, cream, confectioner's custard, and fresh fruit creation. And mine was called Cantucci della Grotta con Vin Santo, a sort of almond biscotti dusted with icing sugar and soaked with sweet white wine. Again, take a look at the photos and prepare to be amazed. When it comes to wine, we mostly stuck to local whites from the Verdicchia grape though these vary in quality and price. The grape in the hands of a skilled winemaker can produce crisp, fruity, but balanced wines. Not dissimilar to white burgundies from the Côte d'Or. At La Grotta, though, we enjoyed a 2019 Marche Bianco by Giulio Erminia, a Marchegiano wine made from the Pecorino grapes, not to be confused with the cheese of the same name. An incredibly complex and subtle wine which is aged in oak for 12 months. It so impressed us that we bought two extra bottles to bring home. As ever, there'll be a picture of the bottle on the website 
If you want to go looking for it though, I don't imagine most supermarkets or even wine merchants in the UK would be able to source it. This is what most definitely led to some hasty repacking of cases at the check-in counter at Bologna. Actually, we should give a big shout out to the guys at Avis in Bologna. Seeing that we were struggling mightily with three heavy cases, they told us to get back in the Volvo and they drove us right to the airport entrance and helped us to put the suitcases on a luggage trolley. Avis doesn't sponsor this podcast, but of course, we're always happy to listen to offers. That just about wraps things up for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it and that you'll join us for the next episode to meet Orlando, who transformed his grandfather's castle from a ruin to a unique, classy, luxury hotel. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. Remember, we are at Escape Odyssey on Twitter, Insta, and TikTok. Our video content is on our YouTube channel, and you can email us via adventures at escapodyssey.com. We'd love to hear from you. And Escapodacy is spelt E-S-C-A-P-O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y. Thanks for listening and remember, travel with an open mind. Embrace adventure. Keep your feet on the ground. And your head in the clouds. Goodbye. Goodbye.